there's no such thing as a masculine brain or a feminine brain. We all have masculine leadership traits and feminine leadership traits. The issue is that the business world has collapsed into wounded masculine power over people versus power with people. So we feel like we either need to behave like that or we sink into our wounded feminine being defensive, etc. And I think what I'm provoking is for all leaders to connect to those more historically feminine traits like empathy, intuition, teamwork in order to balance out the world and to humanize the workplace. Come on this journey with me. Each week when you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up for a better tomorrow. Fasten your seatbelts. I'm ready for my close-up. Hi, and welcome back. I'm so glad you're back here with me this week. Get ready for some excitement. Today, we've got Dahlia Feldheim, founder of Flow Leadership Consultancy. She's drawing on her own extensive corporate leadership experience and passion for championing others to enable organizations to promote an authentic, happy, and psychologically safe working culture. Imagine that. Before founding Flow Leadership, Dahlia spent over two decades as a C-suite global marketing exec at Procter & Gamble, where she led work on some of the world's most iconic ad campaigns, two of them being Tampax, Mother Nature, and the iconic Always Like a Girl, ranked Forbes' most influential campaign of the decade. That's incredible. Dahlia holds an executive master's degree in consulting and coaching for change from INSED Business School Organizational Psychology, along with a happiness facilitator diploma from the Happiness Studies Academy in partnership with Miami University. She's on a mission to share her insights and learning success and struggles to help shape the new generation of leaders. She teaches the science of happiness and resilience, and she's an adjunct professor. She's so much more. Dahlia, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super happy being here. Thank you. Oh, it's so exciting. Oh my gosh. So, you know, the work that you're doing, as we were talking about offline, very similar. Our backgrounds are similar and different, but listen, I don't have some of these iconic corporate America moments like you do. I want to dig into just from a curiosity perspective. I mean, the like a girl, I mean, where did this all come from? What was that like being involved in this? It sounds to me, it was so massive. (laughs) So I started my career at Procter & Gamble and very early on, I kind of uh, started on femcare, feminine care, so pads, tampons. And I'll tell you, I think it was six months into the role that I realized I'm not in the business of selling pads. I'm in the business of women empowerment. And, you know, it was really a magical moment. I can tell you a little bit about it. I mean, we were in India and we were doing in-home visits and I walk in to talk with the mom and the daughter and the daughter's sitting on the floor. The mom comes in with drinks and then she kind of offers the daughter on the floor and like metal plates and Throughout the whole interview, she was sitting on the floor. Aunts and uncles came in and I, for a moment, I noticed this sad look on her face. And, you know, when we went out, I'm like, what was that all about? And my agency told me, well, she's on her period. And I'm like, so what? And she said, well, in India, we have all this myths about periods. Uh, We believe women are impure. So they're not allowed to sit with us or go into the kitchen or go to prayer areas. And in most cases, they sit or sleep in the, on the floor. And yeah, you're going like that. And I kind of, how common is that? And she said, whoa, you know, it's, it's quite common. And then she kind of jokingly said, you know, we even believe a woman on a period, if she touches pickles, she'll make them go sour. 
And I can tell you, Heather, that night I couldn't sleep. I just had the girl's sad look on the face. And I, I went to the agency the next morning. I'm like, I couldn't sleep. She said, yeah, me too. I'm like, we need to do something about it, right? We need to use the brand voice to make an impact, you know, to make a difference. So basically we, you know, I said, I'm a foreigner and this is cultural. So I'll leave it with you. And we worked through, you know, 12 months. And then we came out with a campaign called I Dared, I Touched the Pickle. So it was like using humor to bring about the issue that, you know, became the most viral ad of the year in India in 2014, you know, TED talks about it, et cetera. And that was the moment, you know, and I'm very proud of a lot of things, but that was the moment that, I, wow, you know, we can make a big difference. And then a year later, we decided to do the same on a global level and we changed the brief. And it's actually my president who said, you know, she was telling the story of how a daughter was about to play basketball. And she said, mom, I can't, I'm on my period. And she says, you go out there and you play like a girl. And the agency loved it so much. And they created the iconic, always like a girl. And I always say, I can't take credit for it because it's the agency who created it. I guess, you know, our brief inspired that. But when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is what I've been working for for 15 years. And the campaign went on to, you know, change lives and really reclaim that phrase, like a girl to mean, be proud to be who you are, right? Because, you know, when we ask a young girl what it means to run like a girl, she says, what do you mean? It means run as fast as you can. And suddenly in socialization, it becomes an insult. So, you know, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to reclaim that phrase. And that's what I'm trying to do now because uh, two decades in the corporate world, I believe it's time to reclaim the phrase like a girl once more in the world of leadership. So, you know, I'm trying to use all my learnings from the corporate world and, you know, bring them back into kind of helping men and women, you know, lead from the heart. That's the essence of it. When starting out a new business, it's a complete pain to get through the LLC part. Taylor Brands makes it 90% easier. It's easy and affordable to get your LLC with Taylor Brands. Taylor Brands offers all the legal requirements for LLCs, such as registered agent, annual compliance, EIN, operating agreement, business license and permits, and much more. Taylor Brands walks you through each step of building a successful business and has everything you need all in one place. Bookkeeping, invoicing, business licenses and permits, business documents, bank accounts, and so much more. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using this link, taylorbrands.com slash confidence. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash confidence. So get started today with Taylor Brands. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular, and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI 
powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized I can do this. I can go to work for myself. Thanks to Shopify. What I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash monahan all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. CBDistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer and it's huge right now. You can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, cbdistillery.com has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep, more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order. Visit cbdistillery.com. Dot com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Brands have the power with their messaging, with their ad campaigns to have such a massive impact on future generations, existing generations. And I think so often, People don't really stop to think about that because we're thinking of, like you said, selling pads, selling tampons. What are the numbers? What's the net revenue? You know, we fixate so much on the job at hand and the goal that we lose sight of that bigger moment. And for you, the thing I'm learning through you, being there, like doing the work, getting into the homes, like going Mm -hmm. back to the grassroots is what really triggered and opened up your eyes to that potential. Is that right? Yeah, I think, you know, and I do a lot of find your purpose workshop. That's, you know, I do a lot of leadership development in companies. And the one I love the most is the find your purpose. I go really deep into their own stories to find what they're passionate about and how they can create this magic links between their strengths, their passion areas, and then what the world needs. And you will be surprised. And it's not just brands. It's any job that you're doing. You know, it's not a job if you bring your heart into into the work. So the first uh, dimension of leading like a girl is leading with purpose, you know, which is finding what you're good at, what you're passionate about and how you can bring it to to life and aid what the world needs. And you'll be surprised. I mean, CEOs tell me, oh, I'm scared they will do and they will leave and live in the Himalayas. And I tell them, no, I mean, there's a lot that can be done within these big companies, right, to bring out and it unleashes so much passion that, you know, 
that's when you create really magic. You take your strengths from good to great. So I'm a huge, huge believer. And that's my first chapter actually in the book is leading with purpose. And so how do you enable people or how can you advise people listening to unleash their passion? So it's a process. I mean, uh, you can go through on your own. I actually put the whole process. I tried for the book to be very practical because I'm a very practical person. So I combine three things. I combine storytelling because once a marketeer, always a marketeer, right? And I feel when you speak from the heart, you know, it, you reach the heart, right? So storytelling is a big deal and that makes everything relevant. And then the second dimension is science. And I use the science of positive psychology. I'll get to that in a bit. But when I decided to leave the marketing corporate world, I actually went to study and I studied the positive psychology and organizational psychology. And when I studied positive psychology, I kind of realized, wow, everything I believed about leadership is grounded in research. So when I go to companies today and I talk about happiness in the workplace or purpose, everything is grounded in research. Happier people are more productive. People that have a purpose have stronger resilience, have stronger relationships, have et cetera. So that's key. So there's storytelling, there's the science element, and I bring a lot of research and kind of scientific facts. And then each chapter has a practical part for it. And, you know, the chapter around finding your purpose has a whole journey. And the journey, I believe, you know, and it's also kind of I'm building on Simon Sinek and a lot of work that I've done in INSEAD, but your purpose comes from your heritage story, your ups and downs. And when you analyze your own life, the ups and downs in your life, you actually find a red thread. And that red thread is kind of your hint uh, to what. So I always knew that I was about people empowerment. I happened to be a marketing director, but it was all about people empowerment, whether in the campaigns I did or the teams I built, et cetera. And that's why I, 17 years in PNG, I thrived because I was completely on purpose. It was the last three years when my career reached the lowest point, when I wasn't allowed to bring to life my strengths. That's when I kind of shrunk. And that's where I talk a, a little bit about the importance of, you know, how do you deal with a challenging situation? Let's get into that because, you know, I love that story because I live that story, too. So I want to let's dig into yours. I want to get to that tough moment. So 17 years after working for PNG, I left and I took a role as CMO, Chief Marketing Officer for Asia. Great company. I love the CEO. I love the global CMO. I thought I landed my dream job, right? One week into the job, or maybe one month into the job, I got a new boss who was the local CEO. And Heather, it took me a week to realize that him and I were fire and water, right? So I'm all about creativity and people. And he was all about numbers and scorecard and ROI. And most days the culture felt like ROI or you die. He told me once, I'm not going to tell you what you're good at. It's a waste of time. I'm only going to focus on what you need to fix. Anyone who comes from marketing would they appreciate this. But then he says to me, Dalia, there's no art in marketing. It's only science. You just didn't get it yet, right? So you see the face? I felt like it was a dagger, right? Into the heart. But anyway, him and I were like a match made in hell. But uh, <laughs> one day, you know, I think it was like a few months into the role, I got summoned into his office, okay? Now I'm a C-suite woman. I was the only C-suite on his team. And he starts giving me feedback. And I love feedback, okay? In PNG, we used to call it tough love. Feedback, I, I'm very direct. I love you to say, don't sugarcoat. Tell me exactly how it is. But tough love, it needs to come from a position of care, right? That day, there was no love. It was just really humiliating, denigrating. And I'm holding it in. I'm a C-suite woman. But then he starts insulting my team, like really very personal. 
you know, I was getting so frustrated, right? Because it was so unfair. And when I get frustrated, I tear. He saw the tear in my eye and he smiled at me and he gave me a box of tissues. And I had this warm, fuzzy feeling for a moment. But then I lifted my eyes and I saw something weird in his smile. And he turned around that tissue box and I couldn't believe my eyes. On the other side of that tissue box was a handmade sticker he prepared in advance, which read Dahlia's tissue box. This is unbelievable. I can't even believe this is a true story. This is how crazy this is. It's crazy. I reacted like that. I was like, are you kidding me? With the little self, you know, esteem I had left. And he just sat back and he's like, Dahlia, stop being so emotional. It's just boy banter. I know you have a sense of humor. And I can tell you the interesting thing, right? So I had this amazing career, 17 years. I was one rated, top rated the whole time. And suddenly, you know, I realized why, you know, looking back, all my strengths were not only not appreciated, but they were denigrated. I was too good with my people, right? I was too creative, which is not process enough. In one stage, even kind of the, we got feedback that we're too negative as a leadership team. And I raised my hand and I said, hey, I'm studying positive psychology. I'm happy to do some programs. And it's like, oh, that won't be needed, Miss Kumbaya. Like, this man is the worst man ever. It's like a character no, honestly, of a bad leader. <laughs> I can tell you, I learned so much from what not to do. And I never wish this on anyone because seriously, Edda, from a super confident person, I started losing my, my mojo. I, I was literally, you know, the first year I still tried to kind of fight and give feedback. And of course I told HR and they just kind of, you know, didn't do much, not enough about it. I mean, they did in the end, but it was too slow. Second year, I kind of flight, I tried to avoid, I brought kind of a data scientist to give him all he needed, right? But I realized at the end of that year, I literally felt physically sick. I realized I left my heart and my art at the doorway. So beginning of year three, what happened, what saved me in a way, because I was determined not to leave. I'm a fighter. I was a gymnast. I'm like, I'm not going to quit. You know, I was the main breadwinner at that time. So I'm like, he should quit. I'm not going to quit. I love what I was doing. So I was like determined to stay, right? <laughs> Third year, what happened is I went to a PNG alumni. So my previous company. And when I walked in, that was the wake up call. I planked myself in the chair and I said, whoa, you know, this is what culture should look like. I've been a frog in boiling water. Because you know how it goes. And I spoke sometimes with even domestic violence. It was very similar. I kept on thinking I can change. And I learned you can't change someone that doesn't want to change, right? So, you know, at the beginning of that third year, I realized, whoa, I need to leave this toxic environment, but not before I deliver everything I committed because I committed to the CEO and I always deliver on my commitment. So I said, okay, I'm going to stay until the end of the year and I'm going to go back to my strengths. I don't care if he likes them or don't li doesn't like them. So my strengths is people and creativity. And I said, I'm going to bring creativity even to a category. It was washing machines in that sense. And together with the team, we created a campaign that was very data-driven, but also very creative. And that won an FE award, the first time this brand won an FE award for business results and creativity. And that's when I realized, you know, I found back my mojo and I, it was time to move on. And I can tell you, it's, you know, I always say if it happened to me, it can happen to anyone, you know, because... Um, I used to be head of the women's network for PNG and I'm not a pushover. I kind of stand up, but the more resilient I became, the more toxic he became. 
And I think, you know, I ended up doing my research on it. So I, when I studied in INSEAD, I did the research as me search and I wanted to understand, can you coach yourself out of a toxic environment? That was my research question. And my answer was yes and no. So yes, you can build resilience. And the dare to lead like a girl is about my resilience model. Okay, I call it 5P. I talked about purpose. There's all around perspective or perseverance. There's physical power, people, and positivity. So that's the model. However, that works for a general hardship or general company. I concluded that when you work for a toxic environment, there really is only one strategy, and that is zero tolerance. Zero. Right? You with your two pages, you know, that's a zero tolerance. Zero. I was too empathetic. I kept on thinking I can change instead of saying, I'm sorry, you won't talk to me like that. I'm going to leave now and come back when you're ready to talk to me. Or no, I'm not leaving, right? So, you know, this is what I work today with women. Sometimes we are, you know, dare to lead like a girl is being in empathy, of course. But sometimes you need to kind of step into your positive masculine, which is your assertive. You know, Muhammad Ali says, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Right. So that's kind of one thing that I learned that, yes, you should be bringing empathy into the workplace. It's a huge advantage of women versus men. And it's in high demand. The world is crashing because of lack of empathy. We see it all around. We see it in research. University students that finish, they did research and found that their empathy level is 40 percent lower than university students. 30 years ago. It's insane, wow. right? Wow, that so is. <laughs> insane. And it's enough to see our teenagers. You have a 15-year-old, I have a 19 and a 18-year-old, and, you know, just closing off with a girlfriend over text. He never did that, but his friend did. I told him, if you ever do that, you you know, you have the tough conversation, and they, and they don't have the tough conversations, and they don't have the live conversations. And we're seeing that in the workplace and we're losing empathy, you know, around, I don't want to get into, you know, what we're seeing some of the other dimensions in, in the U.S. and around the world. But, you know, when I talk back about the corporate world, you know, the way we've been leading until now is crashing. It's not working. The more masculine command and control, you know, especially when teams are virtual, it's just failing. 85% of employees are unengaged in the workplace. 20% are toxic. They hate their work and they're determined to make everyone else, you know, suffer as well. One in four ex- experience work-related anxiety. So we're seeing, you know, the, the corporate world is crashing and the reality with, with the great resignation is there. And, you know, the, there was research that just came out to try and understand the great resignation. And they found, interestingly, they expected, you know, the reasons to be, you know, pay or burnout. And they found the number one driver of the great resignation was toxic environments. So there you go. Wow. So Not shocking to you and me, both of us having been in one before. And, and I love the way that you describe how it advanced and you thought at first I can change it and then I can survive it, but I don't want to give up and I don't want to give up my team. I had all of those same thoughts. And I'm so glad that you went and researched that concept to ultimately see, because when you're a part of something, you want to make it better. Well, most people do anyways, right? You want to find a way, but at the end of the day, like you said, when someone who is at the you know senior most leadership position and is calling the shots, when they don't want to change it and they want to keep it a toxic environment, that is no place for healthy people. 
Exactly. And I keep on saying, like, if it happens to my kids, stay six months. Okay. You know, because I think if I would have left immediately, you know, try to change things. Sometimes, you know, I did have challenging bosses in the past. And I was actually, one of them told me, you're the only one that gave me direct feedback. I kind of had a reputation of managing up really well because I'm direct, because I really care. Right. And I heard of one strategy, by the way, you would love it. Um, I heard of one strategy that really worked when a lady came into a toxic boss and she actually dealt with it head on. She said, listen, this is what I hear about you. I don't believe it's true, but that's your equity. And I'm here determined to help you change that. And it worked for her. And wow. the two of them partnered. So I am saying, you know, if the boss is ready to change, right, that can be an amazing experience. So give it a try, but you need to really give it six months maximum. Because if you're asked to change beyond your values, beyond who you are, and that's what I felt. I was like suffocated. I, you know, I was asked to leave my heart and my art in the doorway, right? That's wrong. That's when you can't bring your full self to the workplace, you're not in the right place for you. And that's something I hope I realized earlier, but I guess, you know, going through that is why I'm here today, (laughs) why I wrote the book, why I'm trying to help, you know, other leaders. A lot of it is is lack of awareness. A lot of it is skill because we can teach ourselves to become more resilient. We can teach ourselves to be happier. Actually, you know, in the book, I have this whole model and worksheets on each one and then, and it has been proven that you can teach yourself to be happier. So I think that's an important uh, part of growth, that when it's really toxic and you are asked to change beyond your value, That is when it's zero tolerance and very fast. You let things go in on, ah, it's okay. You become a frog in boiling water. And when I interviewed for my research, 10 of my, the people I researched out of 15 talked about being a frog in boiling water, the same sentence. So there's something about that, right? You need to be careful. You need to react fast. If it doesn't make you feel comfortable, it's wrong. And that's it. You need to stop it in the bud. So give us a couple other of the strategies that you have in the book that could help people who are looking for more happiness or how can they create some more happiness in their work and work lives? Okay. So the first one, as I mentioned, is focus on your strengths. If you're in a workplace where you're not able to bring your strengths to work every single day, you're not in the right place. And we know that. We know people that operate from strengths are two times more likely to succeed. And yes, we also know that only 17% of managers said they bring to life their strengths every day. So that would be the number one. If you only remember one thing from today, it's operate from strengths. You know, that's where you find your passion for your work. The second is really having a growth mindset. Having a growth mindset is asking for directions, okay? Is learning to fail or failing to learn. Failing is good. It's okay. It builds resilience, okay? So don't carry it as a badge. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you failed some specific skill that you still need to acquire, So the more you can develop a growth mindset, the more you can grow. The third element, and really an important one, especially for women, is self-care. And I talk about, you know, the physical dimension, right? Taking time to breathe, taking time to eat properly. We have more neurons in our gut than anywhere else. Taking time to sleep, recover, digitally detox. Okay, this is a big one these days. Working from home is you know, insane when we don't shut off. And, you know, Boston Group Consulting did this amazing research 
where they forced employees to take an afternoon a week of digital detox, and they saw productivity go up by 74%. Wow, people are going to want that research to introduce to their bosses ASAP. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm actually working with a company here that are working on creating an automatic like shutdown of the email between 6 p.m. and 9. So you can write if you want, but it won't get sent to anyone. So anyway, digitally detoxing is really important. The fourth dimension, and probably the most important, okay, and if you want to remember one other important thing from today, do you know what the number one driver of happiness at work is? Any guesses? People, the people around you, okay? The quality of our life is the quality of our relationship. And also at work, they did research. And do you have a best friend at work? Or do you have best friends at work? Those were question number one and number two, determining your happiness. And I know it's harder today when sometimes we're remotely or work in remote teams, but investing in getting to know your colleagues as people, as human beings. I mean, I remember my days, right? We used to go, uh, you know, uh, rollerblading in the parking and water skiing and bringing our husbands and children. And, you know, it's so, so important. So really creating that bond where you know someone very deeply, you know, in your workplace, that's kind of uh, critical. And then the fifth one I talk about is positivity. And when I say positivity, it's not about being happy, happy all the time. That's really important. Okay. There's no such thing of being happy. It's, it's really the importance of accepting our negative emotions. My professor Tal Ben-Shachar calls it the permission to be human. Because who doesn't have sad emotions, psychopath or dead people, right? So if you're sad, that's good news. So I think the first thing is really to realize it's okay not to be okay. As a leader, you know, understanding, making space for your people to grieve, to, to take the time. You know, sometimes we're in a low space and we just need the time for that. And then as a leader, there's something that's called the upward spiral of positivity. Once you accept the negative emotions, okay, I am frustrated, I am sad, I am disappointed, you name them, you tame them. Then you can start looking at how you build hope, how you build gratitude. Gratitude is really focusing on what we have versus what we don't have. And, you know, that's another super, super simple strategy that's proven, you know, spending five minutes a day in a state of gratitude completely alters your well-being. So, you know, I have in my bathroom a little sticker that says gratitude. And every time I brush my teeth, I spend like those three minutes or two minutes, you know, just saying what I'm grateful for and really recognizing it's not reaching the goals, your goals that makes you happy. It's important to realize that setting goals is really important. I'm a very goal oriented person. But it's not reaching the goals that will make you happy because you just reach the summit and then you see the next summit, right? It's this climb towards those goals. It's the progress that you're making. So take a moment to, you know, see the view. I always say, have an idea of where you're heading, but don't forget to enjoy the view on the way. And that's key. So, you know, purpose and strengths, perseverance and growth mindset, physical wellness, which is all around taking care of yourself, putting your mask your oxygen mask so you can take care of others, the importance of people and getting to know them as human beings, and then positivity, which is all around accepting negative emotions and then looking into gratitude. So there's quite a bit that we can do, as you can see, right? And it's actually a beautiful journey. So I've been on this journey of positive psychology. And and as I mentioned, I realized that my intuition about leadership is grounded in research. And there to lead like a girl is, it's a provocation. It, there's no such thing as a masculine brain or a feminine brain. 
Okay, we all have masculine leadership traits and feminine leadership traits. The issue is that the business world has collapsed into wounded masculine and power over people versus power with people. So we feel like we either need to behave like that or we sink into our wounded feminine, being defensive, et cetera. And I think what I'm provoking is for all leaders to connect to those more historically feminine traits like empathy, intuition, teamwork, you know, all these five Ps that I mentioned in order to balance out the world and basically to humanize the workplace. And we're seeing if we will humanize the workplace, everyone wins. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dahlia, this is so good. For everyone that wants to go get your new book, where do they find it? Oh, everywhere. I mean, it's uh, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. I mean, all the indie stores. Just look there to lead like a girl, Dahlia Feldheim. And I will mention that I decided to dedicate all profit to women causes around the world. So I have a lead like a girl school in India. And, you know, I teach Lead Like a Girl programs across uh, across the globe. So I've decided, you know, let's give back exactly with that spirit. And I do help that, first of all, you know, it will help women and men. And I can tell you, uh, I'll just finish with this funny story as an anecdote. I had women call me to say thank you that they decided to step up, to dare to do something. I had men calling me, you know, I talk about emotions and the importance of emotions that recognize, you know, a woman cried in their office and they suddenly had a what to answer them. They said, wow, I see you're really passionate. How can I help? Right. But the most craziest call is I got a guy in Australia who called me and he said, Dalia, I watched your TED talk. I just wanted to tell you I'm a reformed asshole. I want to change. What do I do? So that's incredible. I even added into the book. If you go onto my website, if you have a boss that may enjoy reading the book, I'm going to send 100 books a year free anonymously uh, because I am on a mission. I am on a mission to humanize the workplace. And I think uh, we know the world needs it. We know employees are, are dying and crying, right? With stress and, and, and burnout. And, and we know we have a way of turning it around. So that's why I feel really strongly about the mission of spreading how to lead like a girl. Well, get Dare to Lead Like a Girl by Dahlia Feldheim. This book is a must get. Dahlia, thank you so much and keep up the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Heather. And thanks for all the work you do. We're so aligned. Thanks, Heather. And thank you for listening. Until next week, keep creating your confidence. Come on this journey with me. 
Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about, Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential don't believe me i'm gonna go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too you have helped me so much these last few weeks i was with a narcissist for two years she drove me to the point i wanted to take my own life listening to you has made a massive difference and now i know what i'm with thank you rebecca now the recovery Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.